we're not just working a shift and then going home and it's over. Mm-hmm. It's There's always ways that you could do it better. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. For those of you new here, we are three friends who found each other one day in a hallway in Iowa, and one of us suggested we do a podcast, and (laughs) now here we are. Here we are. (laughs) We take education pretty seriously, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. And our primary goal is that you are encouraged in both your teaching life and your everyday walking around life. Also, we love feedback, and you can send any and all feedback to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. So feel free to come at us and tell us what we did well or what we need to do better or simply suggest topics or questions that we can discuss. Or you can even send us an email and just say hi and tell us where in the world you're listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. right now. Today we continue with our series, uh, Flourishing Together, a book by Andy Wolf and Lynn Swanner. Unbelievably, Dave and Abby, this is part five of our five-part series. Right. And I know that we have really enjoyed and appreciated this book and are so thankful for the good work that Andy and Lynn have done. So Andy and Lynn, thank you so much. Dave and Abby, as you know, part five is on well-being. And I think for all of us, this resonated in a pretty deep way. Mm -hmm. And as you know, we usually begin with a check-in question. So it's a little bit heavier maybe, but related to to the reading and... um, how do you know for you two, how do you know when your work-life rhythm, I know some people talk about work-life balance. Um, my friend Darren Speaks often talks about work-life rhythm, and I really like that. So how do you know when your work-life rhythm is out of whack, when it's not so well with your soul, and what strategies do you use when it all feels like too much? Uh-huh. Well, I just want to pick up, I really love that language of work-life rhythm. Um, yeah. I've, I've grappled for a long time that idea of work-life balance, is if yeah. my work is something unpleasant that I need to balance out yeah. with good stuff in my right. life. And my work is something I love, yeah. too. And so I'm a musician, right? And I think about it in terms of, like, if I'm playing with a band, like, we got to stay in tempo together. Yeah. And how do I make yeah. sure that we're not not racing on ahead or lagging yeah. behind, right, to keep these things in, in, in rhythm? Right. So um, that said, this is something I really struggle with, yeah. right, because... As much as I love my work, it can really consume hmm. more than right. its fair share, right? Yeah. And so both of those things are, are true, yeah. right? Um, so for me, how do I know when things start getting out of sync or out of rhythm like that? Um, I find I get snappish with people, hmm. and it's not it's about this, not about that, right? Yeah, right. Um, the, right. That the thing that I'm actually frustrated is, is not the thing that I'm taking it out on the people. Right. Yeah. right? Um, I had this with my daughter just the other night, right? And it was a very small thing, and I'm just like, can you just please take care of the dishes? Like, Because that's usually the way. She'll unload the dishwasher, and I'll, re- I'll load it. But I can't get onto my thing until she's done with it, right? Hmm. And so then I'm just like snappish with her about that. And yeah, it, it wasn't even about that. I was frustrated about something else entirely, but I, I realized that mm-hmm. myself, right? And then when I noticed that, it's like, oh, honey, I'm sorry. That, that's not how this is supposed yeah. to go, and I'm, I'm not mad at you, right? And yeah. so I'm going to humble myself and say mm-hmm. so. But that's frustrating in the moment. Yeah. So I can just right. kind of feel that yeah, tension. It's no. good. So naming it is a is a yeah, big part of it. Definitely for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you for you, Javi? Yeah, I think I tend to find myself 
escaping and zoning out when I get overwhelmed, mm. right? Yeah. Like, I find it difficult to tackle anything because mm. I'm, like, frozen almost, yeah. right? Um, and one thing that I have helped, found really helpful is, in, like, is to break up things and set reasonable time stamps and then mm. really stick with it, right? Okay. So that I don't allow myself to yeah. sit in that yeah. indecision and overwhelm, right? Like I'm going to grade for 60 minutes okay. and it's going to take, I think, it, you know, I, I have, again, a pretty good idea of how long things take right. me. Right. So, you know, these papers are going to take me 10 minutes a piece. I'm going to get six done and then I'm going to let myself yeah. do something else mm. for a while, right? So yeah. I think setting smaller goals yeah. to really like break up those big yeah. chunks of things into more manageable pieces is kind of my go-to yeah. strategy I would say mm -hmm. um when I'm finding myself like frozen with indecision and overwhelm <laughs> which happens yeah. sometimes yeah or procrastination right like just yeah. do six of them yeah probably is better i mean that's a whole different conversation but probably makes for better assessment yeah right too, right yeah. Then, i know like you're fresh and if you just take them chunks at a time like i know that if, if i if i assess the same thing over and over mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. yeah i just i can feel myself like oh like getting looser about some things or just not giving it the attention it needs and that's mm -hmm. so that's, yeah. that's just a good practice even from an assessment point of view I know for me, one of the things that I, I know when it feels like too much for me, I, I actually shared this with you right before we started today, is that I can get absent-minded and forgetful. Like mm -hmm. I can just, I start like little details and I, like I have to work hard at that. I've gotten way better at that in my life and I just get so irritated with myself. So I, I get, I'm very ungracious when I get too tired or it feels too much. It's like, you should be better than that. I'm hard on myself. But I can also go the other way in that I can start blaming people for, oh, yeah. I can just mm -hmm. be like, well, if you yeah. would have, right. mm -hmm. then I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And and I know that. Like, I start telling myself a story in my mind that this would have gone a different way if someone else would have done something yeah. different. Right. When in reality, I'm, in, I'm actually in control of so much of that. And so for me, sometimes when I feel myself getting into that, that space, I just remove myself from a situation. I go for a walk. I go for a drive. I just like, mm -hmm. I need to step back before I say something st stupid. <laughs> um, and so I just like, Hey, just step mm -hmm. back and then, and then try to reset. So guys, when I was reading, when I was reading through this, so I, I think we said that at the beginning, I found, I enjoyed this whole book, but I found part five so captivating. And part of it is because I think I've just really thought of, a lot about what you know what is good rest look like as opposed to because mm -hmm. i think there's actually good rest and, and bad rest if mm -hmm. that makes sense um and i was thinking about a book i read a number of years ago by uh, mark buchanan he's a writer who is um on vancouver island on the west coast of uh, british columbia and he has this wonderful book it's called the rest of god restoring your soul by restoring your sabbath and first of all i love the title um, restoring your soul by restoring your Sabbath. And maybe we can put a link in the show notes, mm -hmm. Dave. But he has this line in there, and he says, we spend most of our lives working. And he's and we there is collectively, not necessarily teachers, but I'm reading in the context of, of teaching and leading. We spend most of our lives working, and when we're not working, we spend most of that time thinking about it, complaining about it, fretting about it, preparing for it, recovering from it 
And then he has this wonderful line. We feel guilty when we don't do enough. And we feel resentful when we do too much. Oh, man. So we feel guilty when we don't do enough, resentful when we do too much. And I don't know, I'm going to name that I'm not sure there's an answer to this question. But when I when I read this chapter and I thought about Buchanan, I, the question came to my mind, as teachers, why is our relationship with work and rest so complex so why is teachers and i and i'm going to assume this is true outside of teaching too for I a lot of people. So. Yeah. but so i'm but i'm just thinking about it as teachers it feels like we have such a complicated relationship with our work mm -hmm. but i also feel like we have such a complicated relationship with rest mm -hmm. and i'm just wondering if you can share some insights on that because <laughs> i do that that's my question and I and I just feel like I've been been wondering about that yeah. since I've read part mm -hmm. five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I my answer is because I care about my craft, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. and I think yeah. we're we're not just working a shift and then going home and it's over. Mm -hmm. It's there's always ways that you could do it better, hmm. right? Yeah. There are always tweaks that you could make or updates or readings you could add or hmm. things you could learn or more feedback for the students right more or... feedback quicker feedback yeah um yeah. and so i think that's part of the nature of it right mm -hmm. i could i could read and practice forever and still yeah. Yeah. have more to learn and so I think that unlimited nature of it makes the work. Mm. And also because you're dealing with human beings in front of you, right? right. I'm not assembling furniture. Yeah. Yeah. I am shaping people's ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And thinking. And that feels heavy. Yeah. You carry that. Yeah. And yeah, you can't take sure. it lightly because right. like this is we talk about education is formation so yeah. what right. am i doing that's forming right. students yeah. whether i'm aware of it yeah. or ignorant right. to it the things right. that i'm doing are going to form them in particular ways yeah. so we should take that with the gravity that it mm -hmm. demands right yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah how about you dave other other thoughts yeah because it is a complicated it, i at least maybe i'm overthinking <clears throat> it but i do feel like it's a complicated relationship no i totally agree with you on that matt and i think for myself this is something i've shared with students too right like this whole idea from parker palmer we teach who we are yeah well this, this gets troublesome because teaching is intensely personal yeah work right the things that i'm it doing I, I am putting myself out on display every time that i step in front yeah. of a group of students and yet it's also intensely private yeah. work right it's very personal but it's very private because i have like my whole private universe of my mm -hmm. ideas that, that are happening here and then i have to make those public somehow because i'm doing this work mm -hmm. in front right. of people i'm doing right. it for people and I, I guess that's maybe my answer to that question too, right? Like, why do I have such a complicated relationship with the work? It's because it's me. Yeah. Like, uh, so much of the work is me. Tied to, yeah. to our identity and yeah. who we are. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so if I'm trying to be an integral, whole person, well, how whole should I be when I'm hmm. in front of my class with my students, right? Yeah. Like, there's parts that I still yeah. keep to myself because it is private. Yeah. work too right like, yeah. uh, it's yeah. complicated mm -hmm. it is complicated no I, I wonder about that they, they ask a, Andy and Lane ask a question later um, it's framed something like what happens when you become your job title yeah. right and that right. gets that identity right. and, and, I, and I feel that I feel, you know, we feel that in all of our lives I can remember 
at some point wanting um, years ago wanting to go to a church where none of my students went and I and I love my students mm -hmm. but I actually felt like it was going to allow me to love them more to actually get a Sabbath rest from, from them from them or even from their families or or people because from you that don't role. yeah from that role because mm -hmm. you don't you don't see these people during the week obviously so now's their time to talk about school which i understand and i've done it as a parent like i get this right it's like well i never i never get to see your teacher so you know hey like let's talk how's it going what's going on and it's a reminder for me like when that started happening to me it was like i just became resistance to it right mm -hmm. because i was always mr beamers mm -hmm. <laughs> and right and so so i have it now actually where when we have we have friends who have kids no matter how young i really insist on them calling me by my first name like i really that, that for me mm -hmm. has become really important because and i'll joke with them and i say hey everywhere i go on mr beamers please call me matt because i i've got enough people who see me as as mr beamers and it was really it was really beautiful we have uh one of our one of our friends has a daughter she's in grade uh, five or six and i asked her to she, i knew she was into drawing maps and so she drew me a map of of um british columbia where we came yeah. from and put all labels on it and on the back it said to matt from sophia and that was like that was the most one of the most right. meaningful part of that it's yeah. just like yeah. ah like i can just be matt mm -hmm. and because i do think we get so caught up often in in our job titles and mm -hmm. and i just think what you said abby resonates like we, there's always more to do right anybody who takes their work seriously no matter what they're doing actually always sees ways to either be more creative to be mm -hmm. more efficient um to pour more into relationships to the point you know when you finally get permission to rest you almost don't know what to do with it. Like, yeah, that's right. I can remember Bev making fun of me the first week of July because it was the grumpiest I ever was in the year because it was the first week after school let out and I didn't know how to rest. I mm -hmm. literally did not know how to rest. And I, I you have to learn, you have to learn yeah. to do that, to give yourself permission. Right. And that's the thing. Teachers have such a terrible time. Right? Yeah. That was the flip side of your yeah. original question. I think I'll point the finger at myself yeah. for this. Right? What other profession is it more work for you to take a sick day? Right. Oh, than teaching. Right. Like I would much prefer to just show up sick yeah. and just gut it out and get through the day yeah. because it's so much more work to plan. Yeah. And so that just feels like it sets up an unhealthy, well, unhealthy yeah. <laughs> way of yeah. being, yeah. though. Yeah. Right? Because if it is going to be more work, then I'm not going to rest anyway. I'm going to wind yeah. up exhausting myself yeah oh and it's complicated yeah. I, I get that i don't know of any way to fix that no. situation because of the nature of what we're trying to do and like you were saying Abby, it's not like working on on the line where you're just right. assembling something it's yeah. like we're actually trying to shape and form yeah. ways of being in the world right. for our yeah. students and and yet and i and i think andy and lynn talk about this when, when teachers are burned out when teachers are sick yeah. There's a correlation to the impact on students That's learning, right? right? They call and, it like a symbiotic relationship, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah, and I, I read that, and, and I know in, in a class, there was a study out of the University of British Columbia that says that, that um, in classrooms in which teachers experience more burnout or feelings of emotional exhaustion, the study actually shows that students' cortisol levels are elevated, right? Well, so students higher, are feeling more stressed. Yeah, right? totally, mm -hmm. right? So we yeah. So students 
carry our stress when we feel it. So, so to actually, so again, like I've said this before, right? Like what's best for students is actually maybe doing what's best for teachers yeah. and rethinking schedules and finding ways to reduce stress because it will actually, it correlates with, with better learning. But, yeah. but I think that goes so, that's so antithetical to how our school systems are <laughs> set up. Way the whole thing's set up. Go more, do more, be faster, more content, right? Yeah, and right. Right, and it also kind of highlights that you can't just decide as an individual. Totally. Right, because you're wrapped up in a system. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know how to change that. Yeah. No, and uh, Andy, I'm going to talk about that too, right? The sense of flourishing right. schools. Right. right. How do you make the whole school a place of flourishing? Yeah. Well, right. okay, students are going to flourish if teachers are flourishing, if schools are flourishing, right? It's all mm -hmm. interrelated in that. Mm -hmm. Guys, is there anything else that, that stood out for you? And I mean, there's a lot of stuff in these chapters. So much. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of my favorite bits, I, every section of the book, they have a chapter where they use a metaphor in yeah. some way. And that just really yeah. resonates for me, too. And in this, this section, they use the, the, the jars of clay metaphor yeah. from 2 yeah. Corinthians. And, jars of clay is my favorite right. 90s yeah, Christian. I was that totally resonated with me as I read it, too. Oh! Um, but the the bit where they talk about the like the meaning of that in the sense like uh, that that verse in, in first, uh, second Corinthians four verse seven is like we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this power is from God and not from mm -hmm. us right and mm -hmm. and I love that so much because it's just such an important reminder all the things we're talking about here and as much as I put my identity uh, there's always more we can do and all these things yeah I'm just a crackpot though mm -hmm. right it's not me right. it's yeah. Jesus in me right. and and His light. Yeah. Shining out. So I'm this cracked pot, right? But like light shines through those cracks yeah. too, right? Yeah. And I'm br broken. I'm fragile. Mm -hmm. I'm frail. Yeah. Um, but thanks be to God. And those butts, right? Right. Yeah. Hard pressed but not crushed. Yes. Yeah. They go through. Perplexed yeah. but not in despair. Yep. I, I love that image. Yeah. I think for me, one of the central points that they made too is that if we don't address well-being, much of what we do when it comes to teaching and learning mm. won't matter. That's right. And so. I think that's important for teachers to remember too, yeah. and well-being of our students, but our own as well, because of that symbiotic relationship, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, actually, doing more and being more without resting does the opposite of what I wanted to do. Yeah, and that's yeah. important to remember because I need to be well in order to to yeah. teach well. One of the things that I've that I felt a bit of tension with as I read. Um, this idea of like the blessing of serving others, the blessing of being in community. Um, and, you know, I think at one point that's, it's this idea of like, Hey, it's, it's not, it's what can we give, not what can we gain? And yet mm -hmm. I feel this tension because I feel like we're, we're really good at asking teachers to give more. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to find out that balance of, of maybe of, like, do we ask, do we ask less? Do we ask less? I don't know. This was just a bit of attention to say, hey, we are, we're in the business of giving, of pouring into others. And I know that there's a blessing that comes from that. Um, but also, how do we, yeah, how do we put boundaries? It goes back to what you say, like, the plate is the same size. Right. There's only so many hours and we keep adding, adding and adding. And we want to give. And, and I know, like, there's so much blessing in giving and serving others. Um, mm -hmm. but at what point do we also say I have nothing left to give and is that okay? 
So I was flipping through the book as you're saying that because they had a great bit in one of the reflections at the okay. end of this section. Um, this is in the section Flourishing Schools, reflection number two. And the, the quote that I want to pull out here, stopping things can be one of the most powerful forces in releasing flourishing hmm. in our schools. Stopping yeah, things. Yeah. And it just has me thinking about my grandpa Mulder. He was a consummate gardener, and he was always trimming trees and things like yeah. that. And he would talk about the importance of pruning. Hmm. Pruning leads to yeah. flourishing. Mm-hmm. And how often do we actually remove things from teachers' plates? How often do we actually remove things from administrators' plates, from our students' plates, yeah. frankly? Mm-hmm. We're always piling on more and more and more. If we're going to add something, we must take something away, yeah. too. Because if we're serious about flourishing, that means we're going to have to trim things out. We're going to yeah. have to prune things. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions that they asked is this idea of, like, how do we how do we slow down and not rush into the curriculum? I mean, that was a really good question that they, they asked at the end of one of those chapters. Yeah. And yeah. And for me, it was just like, how do we how do we slow down and not rush into whatever it is mm-hmm. actually, right? So how do we, yeah, how do we? Is it possible even to slow slow down as a teacher <laughs> in our classroom and and maybe thinking about that in building culture in a classroom? But I even think about that as a staff, right? How do we slow down and build trust, build? well-being how do we create things in the in the schedule or even provide provide resources i visited a school overseas a number of years ago and and in their in their staff room they had like an exercise bike they had a treadmill they had like they had all this wonderful furniture like it wasn't like it actually was the architecture of the staff room because they talk about good architecture good learning right but i even think about that in a staff room right it's like Hey, what does what does that look like in terms of architecture and how we design it in, in terms of rest? But so just that question of what can we do to slow down? There is individual choices we make, mm-hmm. right? Like what are we doing with our time? Um, and and I know for me, like I'm making choices around whether it's assessing, whether I'm coming into my office on Saturday. And there is a season where I do need to do that. It's just really busy. Yeah. But even as our teachers are stepping into summer. Hey, what what parts of my um, recreation, recreating my rest, restoration, do I have control over, and what choices can I make that might lead to to more wholeness? And then, as school leaders, to say what choices can they make that might allow their teachers invite them into a more mm-hmm. whole way of being. Friends, we know your time is valuable. And we want to thank you for joining us today for another hallway conversation. Whether it is this day, this week, this month, or this school year, we hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of, especially for those of you who are about to end. And as you go, we just want to send you with this blessing. God, go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. Okay. This is terrible. Yep. So I had friends when I was in college, and they had a cover band. Right. It was great. And they, and they called themselves the lids because they covered jars of clay. Uh. <laughs> oh, my word. There's your outtake. <laughs> oh, that's funny.